Have you ever wondered what the back of the packet on kids' snacks is all about? If it says apple on the front but choco on the back, what's really in there? And what about all the numbers? What do they mean? Sodium, sugar, serving size. How much is too much for a toddler? We'll find out all that and more today on Dad Pod. G'day, welcome to Dad Pod. I'm Osh Ginsberg. Hi, Charlie Clawson. Hello, how are you, Osh? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm happy to be back here on Dad Pod, which is a podcast we created when our kids were still in utero, before we knew what it would be like to never have a sleep in again. Uh, but we created this podcast because <laughs> we were looking for dad-related stuff that sounded like dads who were us. We couldn't find it. And here it is. We've been here since, well, the kids are nearly three, so we've been here that long. And um, it's, it's great to have you here. Thanks to the people that have subscribed and told their mates about it. And thanks to everyone that's written in through the week, askdadpod at gmail.com. Uh, it's never a dull moment in toddler town, which is where we no. both are right now. If you're just expecting, go back to the start. If you are halfway through, there's an episode that <laughs> lines up with where you are. Uh, there's heaps yeah. of experts, there's heaps of interesting people. There. There's lots of insight. And uh, mostly I think the episodes just made me feel that I'm less alone in this journey and that what I'm experiencing isn't new and that other people have done it with, and they've got better ideas than mine. How was your week, Charlie? Well, there's a lot of firsts when you're a dad, isn't there? And yeah. I think the thing is, it's a first for you, but the, the comforting thing to know is that it's it's not a first for a bunch of other dads. They can share their experience with you, and that's what we're hoping to do with this podcast. So let me yeah. tell you about a, a first I went through this week. We were down in Melbourne visiting family, and Iona got to hang out with her cousin. And her cousin's primary school were having their annual movie night where they uh, set up uh, a big screen in their in, in their gymnasium and all the kids bring in bean bags and dressing gowns and stuff and they get to watch uh, I believe the movie was Sing 2 a sequel to the the hit film Sing which stars Matthew McConaughey as a, a koala uh, organizing like this troupe of singers it's a cross between glee and the muppet show with this koala playing the kermit uh, character the koala who mysteriously had an american accent i mean look there's a lot of things <laughs> A lot of things you got to you got to suspend uh, when you see a film. A lot of disbelief you have to suspend. But a koala with a Texan accent, I just, I just couldn't get past. I've watched <laughs> Sing One. The first time I watched Sing One with Wolf, I was really annoyed by that. The twenty second time I watched Sing One with Wolf, I was still annoyed by that. Like, you can't find fucking an Australian. There's no in Australian Hollywood. actors. There's no Australian actors. You couldn't get old mate Hugh Jackman. You couldn't get Chris Bloody Hemsworth. You couldn't get Thor. <laughs> But Eric Banner my, wasn't available. As my sister pointed out, Osh, there were uh, animals in Sing from every continent, and they didn't specifically go to the continents those animals were from either. And I'm like, you know what? That's a fair point. I'm being very kind of Australia focused in that. I mean, the the giraffe should have had an African accent. You know, the tiger could have had like a, a Sri Lankan accent. We didn't we didn't rail against that. It was just the koala because we're so patriotic. I see. Then you got like 47 anamorphic Apu from the uh, Quickie Mart, and then it's just a whole barrel of trouble, isn't it? Yeah, I see exactly. why they went the way they went. Okay. But but the movie was neither here nor there, Osh. I mean, it was Iona's first chance to see it. She's never been to the movies before. She's never really watched. She's watched parts of movies, but this is her first cinema-going experience, which she was excited for, and I was excited for her. But then we walked in, and because it was a kind of like a, a primary school, school function, 
when you walked in, there was just an absolute smorgasbord of treats for the kids to choose from, like icy poles, Freddo frogs, red skins, there's a sausage sigil happening, there's popcorn, there's lollipops. There's basically, it was like stepping into Willy Wonka's factory as far as Iona was concerned. Now, look, we're not uncool parents. Like, we give her treats from time to time. She has uh, tasted the- Ice cream for breakfast. Ice cream for breakfast, as we've discussed. <laughs> but we, we give her treats from time to time. So, and she's a good kid. She doesn't sort of like, you know, she's not always like crying for sweets and treats. She'll try her luck, but more, more often than not, she's pretty good. But I felt like I was on a hiding to nothing when we walked in there because it was part of the the vibe was like the kids were there, they're in their pajamas or on their beanbags, they're getting to eat like lollies and ice creams and all that kind of stuff. So I was presented with this dilemma of, okay, well, what do I do? Because Iona has had treats, but not with this keys to the city kind of access. So I started pretty conservatively, you know, got her a, a, a sausage and bread and then she had an icy pole. But then because- her aunties and uncles are there and friends and cousins and friends of cousins who are all like fawning over this cute little toddler. They're all bringing her things. And so then I'm in this position of like, oh, can, do I fend off all these gifts that have been brought her way? And so I did what a coward would do. I just lay down and let the treats come. And even though Gemma had given me very specific instructions, like, you know, she's too young to eat popcorn. Toddlers haven't quite developed the molars yet. You can't. And I'm like, because she really wanted the popcorn. I'm like, okay, you can have the popcorn, but I'm going to watch you like a hawk while you eat the popcorn. So I just lay down. I just let her eat everything. And, I, and I've got to say, the only thing that saved me was that we got halfway through Sing 2 and the villain, the antagonist in there is a wolf. And at some point the wolf turns on the koala character and I only got a bit scared. She turned to me and she's like, oh, I don't like the wolf. He's a bit scary. And I used that as a perfect excuse to go, oh, no. The film's turned scary. Let's get out of here. And so we managed to kind of like bundle up and get her out of there. But it was just one of these situations where I felt like, well, this is going to happen more and more. Like she's getting older yeah. now. She's going to start getting invited to kids' parties, school fates, where we live. You know, it's a small town. They have functions like this all the time. There's always something to go to. And again, you know, I don't want to be Ned Flanders where I'm giving her like Flanders nachos, which is cucumbers and cottage cheese. Like I want her to have some fun, but what do I do? And we often talk about this, don't we, Osh, where the way we grew up and, you know, the, the, but we didn't have treats in my house no. growing up. And that was more out of necessity because there's so many kids, treats would last for like 0.5 of a second of a yeah. second when you, when you try to have anything in the house. But it's sort of something I'm having to kind of get my head around is like, is it a case where you just sort of some days, okay, this is a cheat day, go crazy, young rock, like eat whatever you want, or should yeah. I be- trying harder and preparing should i be bringing like cut carrots and celery to the cinema man i don't i don't know two things there really come up for me is i take an interest in screenwriting i'm not good at it but i mm. i've tried it. i'm terrible but i understand the structure and but i have learned that in even in a kid's film even in a kid's film sometimes at the end of the second act before the third act there has to be a moment when your hero faces something that they might not get out of now if you're over the age of five you might be okay to handle that because they have to make it a certain amount of tension to make mm -hmm. the movie good. But every time that happens, we fast forward. We just bump straight. Wow, look, <laughs> here they are. They're suddenly in the thing. They were walking for the thing and they found the thing. Isn't this brilliant? You know, <laughs> there's no wolf. The moment we left was where the wolf was dangling the koala over the edge of yeah, the nah. building by his feet. Nah. <laughs> so nah, nah. the, the nah. drive home was a very lengthy discussion of me saying, you know what? First of all, it's a cartoon. And yeah. second of all, in real life, the wolf and the koala, they're best friends. In fact, they resolve yeah. their differences. They're sitting <laughs> yeah. down. They're having a cup of tea right now. They're best yeah. friends. I, I just saw them giving each other a cuddle. We do a 
lot of fast forwarding. Yeah, I rewrote that There's third a, act to a much yeah, happier in scene, ending. In scene one, oh look how good a swimmer he is! He's helping everyone at the swim. When the theater gets flooded in scene one, I think Jono the gorilla. Look how good a swimmer he's! He's helping everyone at swim school. Good on him. Good on you. And so Wolf is like, "Good on you, Jono." He's like, "Yeah, good job, good job." Every time he saves someone from underwater, he's like, <laughs> he's like "Good on you." As far as the snacks go, mate, at Halloween last year, we let Wolf have one chupa chup. And the next five hours was like, you know, you've met someone at 11 in the morning. Like, how are you, man? Yeah, good. I've been in a rave. Oh, Jesus. He was like. <laughs> yeah, like, right. Oh. And the come down, it was like every day was Tuesday for it. It was hardcore. Right. I can't imagine what you dealt with writing that out with Iona towards bedtime, man. That would have been pretty tough. I don't know how yeah. to do it. Man. I don't know. Maybe fill her up before she gets there. Maybe that's the trick. Or I just don't know. Or maybe you just you just roll with the punches. Like that's the thing. Like uh, you can't avoid it. Like this stuff's going to be everywhere, and that you can't like keep your eyes on them all the time. And it, again, it's not like I'm constantly you know preparing these like ultra healthy meals. Occasionally, you'll grab a croissant as discussed, <laughs> or the ice cream, or whatever. Yeah. But it was more the case of like that's all that was on offer was shit. Like there was, I couldn't give her anything healthy if I tried because that's just not what the night was about. So maybe full on me for, for not being more prepared for that. But it's just like, is this okay? Like, does her sugar level spike and they never come back down again? Like, or psychologically, uh, <laughs> am I prepping her where she's like, well, every time we see, we go to the movies now, or every time we go to any kind of event where there's lots of kids running around, I get ice cream, I get Freddo frogs, I get red skins, I get an icy bowl, right. I get all this kind of stuff. You know what I mean? I think you and I are very much, if this happens once, it'll happen forever, and that's not real, and I have to keep yeah. reminding myself of that. So I know where you're coming from, but I don't think that's the case. And we've spoken to a few people on the show who are like, yeah, boys, it's fine, don't worry. Yeah. Uh, they'll forget. Well, the, the, the breakfast ice cream discussion from a few weeks back, I think uh, that was the advice given to us is like, look, occasionally yeah. it's okay. You know, It doesn't sort of reset yeah. their brains to be like, I get ice cream every day. And like I said, Iona, you know, she'll try her luck when she sees something, but it's not like she becomes obsessed or fixated on the treat. So hopefully I've got yeah. away with it this week. <laughs> What's been going on with you? Mate, it's, far, it's around food, I'll tell you that. And I'm uh -huh. grateful we're speaking about this today because we actually have Dr. Anthea Rhodes on the show today. She's a, a researcher at the Royal Children's Hospital in, in Melbourne. She's a, This is like her specialty is food and stuff. So I'm looking forward. We can ask her about this later. Wolfie's food refusal is going, uh, I thought it was great. Like, it's not going to get any better a couple of weeks back. Mm. It's just gone Pff, next, next level. What do you want? Porridge. When do you want it? Now. Here's your porridge. I don't want it. Oh, oh man. And I know that it's him trying to control his environment. I know it's him. As we mentioned, you know, we had that great evolutionary scientist who emailed us the other day going, the ones that could control their parents the best were the ones that uh, survived because they were able to get more food, they would get more affection, more protection, da, da, da. I know it's that. And yet I know as well that come nine o'clock tonight when he wakes up and says, I'm hungry, and I try to have yet another conversation about why this is important, we finish our dinner so we're not hungry, I know that's coming. And it's full on. He eats mm. like a champ at daycare. He just yeah. nails it. But he knows that at home he can get away with it. He knows that we want him to eat it. And, mate, we've tried everything we've tried uh, you know, we had uh, someone here a couple of weeks back saying, just leave the food there, tell him it's only going to be there for a short amount of time. When it goes, it goes. And that doesn't work. Uh, I don't know what to do. We're trying really, really hard to make sure he doesn't have like a like a glass of milk at nine when he wakes back up again because mm. we don't want to reaffirm that delay tactic. 
But yeah, it's tough, man. I don't know if he's getting all everything he needs at this point. I know he's not going to starve himself, but geez, man. Yeah. I mean, I think at some point too, like we had a guest a few weeks back saying that kids will eat what they want. Like they'll this obsession about making sure they eat, finish their food off the plate and stuff. Sometimes maybe yeah. we can work ourselves into a lather because it's like, oh, they're not eating. But I mean, maybe he's getting enough food or like you say, he's not going to allow himself to starve. It's hard yeah. because so much about it, like you say, he eats well at daycare and then it's because he knows he can refuse food here and he knows it, yeah. it, like it's not a game, but he's obviously yeah. playing some kind of game with you guys. I just yeah. wonder like if you just changed up everything, like so you change up the routine, the, the dinner routine or, 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 or use some kind of distraction or- which is what we did last night. We okay. He was like, nah, 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 okay, bath. And bath broke the cycle. And then so we went bath first and then he's sitting there in his jammies. And he's like, this is different. And yeah. that was kind of enough to go, mm, what's new here? Oh, I'm, now I'm eating. Oh, this actually yeah. looks tasty and this is actually quite good. Yeah, and right. that's, that did work. That did work for a bit, which was actually – Pretty good, but man, I'm I'm doing everything. I'm trying real hard, trying real hard not to whip out an iPad and a phone at breakfast or dinner. I did have to do it the other day. I did have to do it, but that that works the opposite with Iona. She'll sit there with the spoon poised at her mouth for like yeah. ten minutes, staring at the screen. She will not eat. Right. So we don't. It actually works the opposite. Yeah, I don't know if this is possible, Osh, but yeah, we were just visiting Melbourne uh, on the weekend and staying in a hotel, and uh, Iona discovered room service, and that Ooh. was a great way to get her to eat because the idea that she could order like toast over the phone and then ten minutes later something would be delivered was a real novelty to her. And so so that was a great way. So could maybe once a week you guys could stay in a hotel and get into order room service. Sounds brilliant, guys. Can you do um, can you do some alphabet pasta with some yeah, just tasty cheese? No, more than that, more than that, and more than that. Yeah, yeah, that's cool, cool, cool. No, 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 no broccoli. Sneak some broccoli in. Okay, thanks, mate. Bye. Bye. Maybe depends on what kind of hotel we're at. Maybe we'll, I'll tell you what. We'll, we'll ask Doctor Rhodes about that when we get her on the phone. But we do have an email to get to Charlie. It's Bit of a weighty one, but I think it's important to talk about. Askdadpot at gmail.com. Stick around. You can always email us here, askdadpot at gmail.com. KD has written to us right a couple of years back when uh, his first son was born. And I remember we spoke about it quite at length that Katie was experiencing a disconnect and like an, almost an inability to love and felt a great sense of shame around not wanting to love this this baby that had come into his life. And I'm glad we had it on because it's not the first time I've heard it and there's mates of mine that have been through this. And so he's written back saying, we've had a second son and the disconnect in affection that happened in our first son has repeated itself, but it's been way worse. Even though I knew that I wouldn't time come to love my new son, the recollection of last time hit me like a ton of bricks. Long story short, I ended up being committed to a psychiatric hospital while my wife was pregnant. So firstly, KD, good on you for seeking help and good on you for taking it seriously. He says he spoke to a, a professional. He had to reflect on what happened previously and to accept that it was quite a likely experience it would happen again. I was also able to remember that it would pass just like it did with our first child. I didn't feel the same shame that I did the first time. But the first time I felt nothing at the birth and I only hated this clump of meat that just screamed, slept and shit. And it's really, really hard to hear but it's important to understand that it can happen like that and that mm. the more you wait for the the love that everyone, every dad talks about to show up and it doesn't, the worse it gets. But I'm really grateful, Katie. I'm really grateful that you, 
you sought help. He says that um, his love for his elders grows more and more as they have conversations and he develops interest to become a person. And it's already started with the baby. I know what makes him laugh. I know what he likes. It's small steps getting to know who it is. It felt good to write that down. There aren't many people I can have this conversation with. Katie, thank you so much for sharing that. Nobody really talks about that with dads. But as I said to you, Charlie, like it's, it's happened to people I know. Yeah. And there's a great sense of shame that comes with it. Well, that shame is, you know, is every parent wants to be perfect, but yeah. like, you know, even myself who don't hadn't suffer any kind of diagnosable postnatal depression or anything like that. I mean, you just have those moments where you resent and and feel like really strong negative emotions. I mean, even now as the parent of a toddler, like I, I am checking myself because there are moments like even a couple of nights ago where Iona just would not sleep. And I, we'd been traveling because we flew back up from Melbourne. We'd been up since five in the morning. I'd got her through the airport on my own, no daycare when we arrived. So I had her the whole day and then we got tonight and I just needed her to go to sleep and she wouldn't. And in my head, like the monologue that was going in my head and the the anger, I could feel it. Like I could physically feel all I wanted to do was yell at her. All I wanted oh, to do yeah. was punch the wall. All I wanted to do was like, and it's, you feel embarrassed, like, you know, talking about this now, talking about you in the hot, cold light of day, like I feel immense shame about that. Because, yeah. But then at the same time, it's understandable. Like if I was my friend talking to me, I would say, yeah, I get that because yeah. you haven't slept for, you know, however many hours and you've got this child that is screaming and has been screaming at you for three hours. It makes sense that you feel frustrated. But like Osh says, KD, the fact that you recognize that and got help and the fact that you can now look back and see that things mm. will change because that's that's the thing that does sort of keep me tethered is in those moments, and it happens daily, where you're like, God damn this, fuck this, fuck everything. Yeah. I just don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. But then there are moments of sublime connection where you're like, I love this child more than anything in the world, you know, and I would do anything for it. And it's just that constant dance, isn't it? Where you shift from feeling worthless and angry and frustrated yeah. to feeling so connected and so loved up. And it's just this yeah. endless kind of cycle. But I'm so glad that you feel like, you know, you could share that and you feel good sharing that because yeah. uh, the shame is the worst. Yeah. You know, it's, a, it's a useless, horrible emotion and it does nothing. And it, it, firstly, like to say, Katie, great, great job on seeking help. Amazing. Identifying that you needed help is super, super, super important. And I'm so grateful that you did that. And yeah, being committed to a psych hospital is a fairly major intervention and way better than the alternative. Way yes. better than the alternative. You know, we have all seen uh, what happens when when men don't take this shit seriously and they start to act on those irrational thoughts. And it's super, super important that we do this. And it's not your fault, mate. These things just happen. And the sooner that you accept that it, it's there and that there's treatment and that it won't always be this way. That you Look, the guys I know that have been through this, Charlie, they are all great now and they have amazing relationships with their kids. But, yeah, it's that sense, the feeling of the shame, the more you think about it, the worse it gets. And the, the mm. further the disconnect gets, and the further away you get, it, and it's, it can be in, intense. And honestly, Charlie, the thoughts you were having, you know, I know you're not a wall punching, screaming at a toddler guy, <laughs> but I, I understand those thoughts. Those thoughts flash across <laughs> my mind too. Don't you worry. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I mean, what's that Chris Rock bit from years ago where he says, "Like, I'm yeah. not saying it's right, but I understand." <laughs> yeah. This is true. Yeah. KD, thank you so much for emailing. Really appreciate it. And good on you for seeking help. And if, if what KD wrote about is something that resonates with you or sounds familiar to a friend of yours or a dad you know, encourage them to get to their GP or, or you know, 
find a therapist um, because there's help and it won't always be that way. Uh, you can always email us, askdadpot at gmail.com. Speaking of experts, uh, Dr. Anthea Rhodes is on the show with us right after this. Don't go anywhere. Charlie, I'm super excited to get our special guest on today. Dr. Anthea Rhodes is a pediatrician. She is a child health advocate, a researcher, and she's been working at the Royal Children's Hospital in Melbourne since 2004. She's a mum to four children, including her own COVID baby, one of the hosts of the Kids Health Info podcast, which is available where this podcast is. Dr. Anthea Rhodes, uh, welcome to DadPod from, I believe, your office at the hospital. Is that where you are? Good morning. Good to be here. Uh, look, as you can see, I'm actually in one of my kids' bedrooms. Don't tell her, but I've had cold and flu symptoms this week and I'm working from home. So you've got the legitimate experience. Is that a lab coat? Please tell me it's a lab coat. It's a very special cardigan, Osha. This is the mum uniform. Well, <laughs> because I have this theory that if you wear a lab coat, you're instantly more, have instantly more authority. Just ask yeah. the people at the Poms Institute. You've, you've watched too many American TV shows. The lab coats <laughs> exited all Australian hospitals some time ago. I grew up in Tasmania. I went to Tas Med School and we were the last. We did hold on to the lab coats for a little bit longer than everyone else, but they're even gone there now. It's been an interesting week for, for both of us. You, uh, you know, as you know, as we mentioned, you're a pediatrician, you're a researcher, you know a lot about the healthy outcomes of kids. I hope that extends to snacks because Charlie's been all in the face of it this week. Yeah, Anthea, just to fill you in, um, I took my my daughter, who's two and a half, uh, to a movie night at her cousin's primary school last week. And uh, ordinarily, my wife and I were pretty good with serving a healthy food and, and we limit treats, but we walked in and it was a, a smorgasbord of uh, future diabetes <laughs> treats. It was just chocolate and icy poles and sugar and stuff. And so... I'm a responsible dad, but I'm a cool dad. You know, I don't want my daughter to miss out when she sees all these kids grabbing ice creams and chocolates. And you want to be cool. You want to be cool. I want to be cool. I don't, you know, I want to, I wanted to, you know, when she's a teenager to say, Hey, you can, you can come around to my place. My dad's cool. But the snacks on offer, they just kept coming because we were visiting family and there were so many people excited to see her that like everyone who came over would bring a Fredo frog, an icy pole. And so I found myself sort of in this position of like, if I turn it away or, you know, create a scene around this, then it's just going to create more of a drama. So I chickened out. I just acquiesced. I'm like, okay, today is a write-off. Like you're going to, this is your first night at the movies. You're going to eat whatever you want. Did I cave in or is it just occasionally you've just got to go with the flow? Well, look, Charlie, I'm feeling anxious just hearing about it. I, in fact, when you said you took a two and a half year old to the movies, I was already sort of in a cold sweat. So that, that in and of itself is a challenge, let alone dealing with the food. And you're absolutely right. These situations are sort of like, you know, social environments where food is part of the ritual. And so having the snacks and particularly from family offering up the snacks and the treats is kind of part of the journey. And I think what you've done there is tapped into the sort of really important parent mantra. There's many of them, but of of the sometimes foods. So it's okay, it's absolutely okay to have these things, these treats in moderation sometimes. And it's about recognising, you know, when is the situation where you're going to make the call that, as you say, you roll over and go, it's on, okay, it, mm. it's all happening today. And it, as long as it's not too often, then it's absolutely fine. 
the tricky thing is that sometimes then, you know, kids get a taste for something and you think, look out, now that he's licked the chocolate yeah. every five <laughs> minutes, we're going to be wanting a chocolate. So it's about what you do from there and setting up those boundaries to say, you know what, that was a sometimes food. We all have treats. Mum and dad have treats as well, but we can't do it every day. But I think had you taken on the battle and sort of tried to be that parent that says no to everything, and look, some parents do choose that. Everyone makes their own decisions about how they're going to navigate these things. It's not about what's right or wrong, but that definitely would have been a harder journey. And what you might have set yourself up for is actually ultimately failing in that you'd said, no, we're not having any of this. And then halfway through, you've gone, you know what, It's I give up. And in fact, then what you're teaching your toddler is that whatever you say doesn't really count and that you're going to be a pushover next time too. When people give our kids or our toddlers something, the labeling's kind of hard to understand at the best of times. What are some numbers on the back that we should look out for and go, ah, maybe not today? Yeah, great advice. So, and you flagged something else there, Osha, where some kids and, and yourself, as you've mentioned, might have an actual food allergy or intolerance. And that's going to be a different situation again, where you really do have to be careful as a parent around other people's kids about what sort of foods you offer them, because it's not always safe or okay. But getting back to your own kids, if you are trying to think a little bit about how do I make a healthier choice? So there is information. It's really, really hard to read actually and decipher on the back of a packet. That's deliberate. Companies out there are trying to make it confusing for you. So what you look at instead is the picture of, you know, a pea or a piece of broccoli on the front of the packet and go, brilliant, that looks healthy. It's got green on it. I'm going for that. (laughs) But in fact, when you turn it over and have a look at the back, there's a couple of things that can help you. One is the ingredient list. So that's where there's actually names of types of food products listed in a row, usually with a percentage next to them. The thing that has to happen legally is that the the most common part of that product has to come first. So for example, if you're buying something that says it's peas, broccoli, and apple, and the first thing on it is apple, then actually most of that product is probably apple, not peas or broccoli. Or perhaps more concerningly, you might buy something that says lasagna. And the first thing on the list for that might also be apple. And you're thinking, hmm, little bit of <laughs> apple maybe in the lasagna. But if 90% of that lasagna is apple, what you're really buying is apple. And apple is essentially a sneaky way to get a lot of sugar into a product in a natural way. So have a look at that list and whatever's on number one and possibly number two is really what you're buying. And if it doesn't line up with what you think it is, then maybe give it a miss. The other thing is about the information panel, which I'll tell you a bit more about. The nutrition information panel is that little box that's got things lined up in a row and usually measures in grams. So top tip, have a look at sugars because that's really where the harmful stuff is. There's lots of things that you maybe don't want in food, but we can't solve everything. If you're going to look at one thing, look at sugars and look at the number of grams. And remember that about four grams is a teaspoon. So you need to do a little bit of maths. That can be hard in the supermarket aisle with a toddler hanging off your leg, but maybe do it at home later. Buy whatever you buy, hang on to the packet, have a bit of a look at it at the end of the day when everyone's in bed and go, "Mm, was this a good choice or not? And if there's, you know, 20, 25, even 30 grams of sugar in that product, then, you know, that's many teaspoons, five or six teaspoons or more. And if you're giving your kid a number of these sorts of things over the day, that adds up really fast. Yeah. 
I was just hoping you could settle an argument that my wife and I had a few weeks ago around a morning ice cream. Um, this is a, a topic Osher and I debated a few weeks back where my, our daughter saw an ice cream at 10.30 in the morning and was like, sure, you know, why not? You've been sick for the last few days, have an ice cream. And I was like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. When did like ice cream get on the breakfast menu? And then she said, hang on. you So get Charlie's the- essentially, what he's trying to do here, he's trying to go to the video ref twice. <laughs> exactly, We've already gone yes. to the video ref once on this, Dr. Rhodes. And the video ref says, oh no, that's fair play, play on. And Charlie's no, like, no, 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 but this I'm is, taking this to the this tribunal. This is a specific so- nutritional question because we didn't get conclusive answer, but I feel <laughs> Anthea can answer this. Ice cream for breakfast. This is the question. Uh, yeah, she said ice cream for breakfast, but my wife then came back and said, well, yeah, but you'll buy her a croissant. So I want to know nutritionally <laughs> if you had the choice between ice cream or a croissant, what is doing more damage? <laughs> well, there's there, not all ice cream is created equal and not all croissants either, Charlie. So <laughs> okay. actually it, it depends is the answer there. But both of them are probably going to have a fair bit of sugar, plenty of some sort of dairy. So croissant has a lot of butter in it, particularly if it's made well. And depending on your type of ice cream, that might have dairy of some sort in it as well. So it depends. There's probably more sugar in ice cream, but it would <laughs> depend on your ice cream product. <laughs> Can you have this for breakfast? It's a bit like asking me, am I allowed a wine? It's 11.30. Come on, come on. (laughs) Well, again, it's about sometimes foods. So if you start ice cream for breakfast, you know, it's going to be a rod for your own back because every day you've got to have breakfast and it might be hard to actually change the story tomorrow. But if you're on holidays, maybe you're in Queensland, maybe it's a one-off, then absolutely Mm. there's always an opportunity to spoil yourself here and there. Anthea, uh, Charlie and Gemma were about 300 metres from their house. Uh, <laughs> no try, original. St- You've got to go past that spot again and again and again. Original decision stands. Having said that, having said that, she has not asked for breakfast ice cream again, and I've also managed to make a Cybol's breakfast ice cream. So I've managed to kind of like shift it into a more healthier version. It, it kind of looks like ice cream. You blend it up with a bit of banana. Looks like ice cream. So I've managed yeah. to, to do some kind of my trick to win her over yeah and look outsmarting the toddler do you know that's pretty much your life goal at the moment and it sounds like you, uh, you're not going to win every time as it, as you know we heard in the intro i've got four kids including the littlest is a toddler and i'm mad enough to also have a teenager so i i don't win most days let alone every day but certainly if you can actually outsmart the toddler with you know some of those things like sneaking stuff in that's more healthy that might look a bit like a treat food then that's another way that you might get around things and that you know people listening might be struggling with things like veggies how do they get this into the diet that's the way to do it as well mix it up sneak it in and often you can still outwit your two-year-old and there it is it might be a scandal in theodore cardigan but today it's a lab coat. <laughs> Tip from the top, Dr. Anthea Rhodes. Find out all the great work that her and her team are doing at rchpoll.org.au and check out Kids Health Info Podcast everywhere podcasts are. Uh, Dr. Anthea, thank you so much for hiding out from your family in your own home <laughs> to talk to us today. My absolute pleasure. Thanks, guys. Oh, Osh, so great to have Dr. Anthea on the show. And I've yes. learned something this week. Uh, firstly, Uh, Every time we have a guest on and I share a story in which I think I've done terrible parenting, they've been very generous. They've been very good at letting me (laughs) off the hook. And so thank you, Anthea, for saying that sometimes you've just got to let a kid go, especially if you want to be the cool parent, which I desperately Mm. do want to be the cool parent. But it's also important to read the packaging. And that's something if I had known beforehand probably would have helped me guide me in terms of what treats I I let her have. So uh, the first thing is to look at what ingredient is listed first, because that's going to be the predominant 
ingredient in the food. And so when they say, hey, it's okay, the first ingredient's apple, that translates to fructose, which is yeah. sugar. <laughs> So just be real careful about what the, what your what, what ingredient goes in first and what the predominant component of that ingredient is. And speaking of sugar, those the, all the numbers on the back of the packets per serving, four grams of sugar. Shared. If you only look at one thing, look at sugar. Four grams of sugar is one teaspoon. So if say there's a drink that you're giving your kid, if it's got 12 grams of sugar, would you put three teaspoons, <laughs> that's a four grams is one teaspoon, would you put three teaspoons of sugar in your kid's sippy cup? Probably not. So that's how much sugar is in that drink. Maybe have a think about that. That blew my mind. And thank you, Katie, for writing into us. Uh, really important uh, discussion around, you know, feeling sort of connected and seeking help if you're feeling some kind of disconnection or depression around the birth of your child. Because look, uh, as we said, it's not easy and we all struggle uh, to different levels, but the fact that you're aware of it and the fact that you sought mm. help is really is really commendable. Yeah. There's no, it's nobody's fault. These things just happen. But the sooner you seek treatment, the sooner it'll be better for you, your family, and everyone. Thank you so much for listening to the show. If you've been recommended the show, thanks for checking it out. Please recommend the show. Send it to a dad, an expectant dad, a mum, dad, whoever. And you can always find us, askdadpod at gmail.com. Also, dadpodgram. And until next time. Don't touch that. Don't touch that.